and we're thankful for that. And I just thought, since this is his first time to get up and stand before us and bring us the Word of God, uh, I'd love to remind you, Dustin, that these people love you. <laughs> we're all on the same side. And uh, more importantly, we're excited to hear uh, what's going to come from the words that you've been meditating on and praying about this week. So let's pray together, church, uh, for Dustin as he brings us God's Word. Uh, Father... We are so grateful uh, that you bring people from all over the place to minister and to build up your church. Um, We're thankful that Dustin is able to be with us during this time and this season of his life and of our lives together. And we pray that this morning you would grant him the courage to speak boldly your truth. We pray that you would grant him the peace to know that it is your words and not just his alone that he is speaking. And I pray, Father, that you would open all of our hearts to find in this message what you would have us hear this morning. Uh, we love you, O oh God, and pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you. I, I do consider it uh, a privilege and an honor to be able to speak to you this morning. Well, the date was December 26, 2004. It was just one day after Christmas, Boxing Day. And a magnitude 9 earthquake struck just off the coast of Indonesia. This unleashed a series of devastating tsunamis, which struck the coast of the countries along the Indian Ocean. It was among the deadliest natural disasters in recent history. 230,000 were dead. And those who were left, those who survived, were left to ask the question, Where is God? Where was God on this day? Where was God at this Christmas of 2004? It's a question that I believe we have all asked at one point or another. Where is God? And there is perhaps no time of the year when this question is more prevalent than now, at Christmas time. Ask someone that has lost a loved one, and they will tell you that they feel that loss in an extra amount now. It's not that they don't miss that person the rest of the year. They do. But there's something about this time that you're supposed to be spending with family that makes it that much harder to not have them there. And so the question rings true. Where is God? Now, this question doesn't only come out of loss. It doesn't only come out of tragedy. In fact, sometimes I think it comes out of anticipation, out of excitement. I remember just over a year and a half ago when I was about to graduate from Bible college. And I started to ask myself, all right, what now? I'm about to finish my education. I've got my whole life in front of me. But I don't know what's next. And and as that day approached, as that graduation day came and then passed, and I still didn't have those answers to those questions, I became frustrated. And I would ask God, God, if you have a plan for my life, why don't you just tell it to me? Why don't you let me know? And I asked that same question, where is God? For others, the question might be whether or not there is even a God at all. 
we have been talking about this topic in our Ignite group, which is our Friday evening gathering of teens in grades 7 through 12. Our theme there has been searching for God. And I've told the teens my own story of when I was in junior high, and that was the question I was asking. Does God exist? If God exists, is, is he the God that I've been told about, or is he something else? And for a long time, I felt like I didn't know the answer, and I wondered why God wouldn't just show himself to me if he was there. And so I asked, where is God? Even if you have a deep relationship with God, even if you do know that he's there, and even if you know him, for every one of us, there's a sense in which we do not know God perfectly. And so even there, we continue that search for God. Now, this search for God is not something new. It's something that's been around for a long time. And today we're going to look at the Christmas story, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1. And if you've got a pew Bible, you can find that in page 681. And as we enter into this story, this Christmas story in Matthew chapter 1, we find ourselves looking at a battered and oppressed nation, the nation of Israel. This is a nation whose history is one of constantly being conquered by others, by being taken into exile, by being defeated. And throughout their history, they would find that they would be released from that for a time. They would be made free. But it would only be for a time before they would find themselves in, in, uh, oppressed by another again. And at the time of the Christmas story, the nation of Israel had been under Roman rule for about 60 years. Long enough that most of the people living would have never known anything different. The Gospel of Luke tells us that at this time there was a census being taken. The Romans were counting the people, no doubt with the goal of taxing them even harder. And so these people were oppressed, but they also knew that they were God's people, God's chosen people, set apart by him. And they knew that God, through the prophets, had promised to them a Messiah, an anointed one, one that would come and free them, that would deliver them, that would save them. And yet, this wasn't their day-to-day reality. Their day-to-day reality was one of being oppressed. And every day that went by and that Messiah did not come, they would ask the question, where is God? This question actually goes back even much further. It goes back almost to the beginning of time. You see, if we turn to Genesis chapter 1, we will learn that God created man and woman, and he called them very good. He made them in his image. And he put them in a garden, and God was there with them. God walked with them. God talked with them. They were in the presence of God, and so there was no reason to ask the question, where is God, because he was right there with them. But we don't have to read very far, only to Genesis chapter 3, before something changes. Adam and Eve sin. They eat the fruit. They do the one thing God has commanded them not to do, 
And in doing so, they rebel against God and they separate themselves from him. Genesis 3 verse 8 reads, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man, Where are you? The man hid. And when the man hid himself from God, he found himself separated from God. And we read on and we learn that God removed man from the garden. And he set up a flaming sword and an angelic guard to maintain that separation. Sin put a gap between us and God. And we've been searching for God ever since. It's a story that we see throughout the Bible. Whether it's Israel as slaves in Egypt or exiles in Babylon, or whether it's in the book of the Psalms. Allow me to read just a few samples of this. Psalm 10 verse 1 reads, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 22 verses 1 and 2. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. And so, we search for God. And of course, this begs the question, how then do we find God? How can we search for God in such a way that we will see him, that we will find him? Now, I could stand here this morning and I could tell you how to search for God through prayer and through Bible reading and through spiritual disciplines. And those would all be good things. And in fact, we've been talking about a lot of those things already this fall. We'll talk about those things again in the new year. But today, I want to focus on something else. You see, today I want to focus on the fact that while we are searching for God, we need to remember that we have a God who is already searching for us and a God who has already revealed himself to us. We'll read from our passage from, for today, which is Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Notice that Matthew here quotes the prophet. And in particular, notice the name that the prophet gives to Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. And in these simple words, we begin to see that our search for God is not a game of hide-and-go-seek with eternal consequences, where the person that we are looking for is an all-powerful God. And if an all-powerful God wants to remain hidden, well, then he's going to remain hidden. Instead, what we see is that this all-powerful God becomes flesh. He comes near to us by becoming one of us. He becomes God with us. He's not hiding. Instead, he's revealing himself to us in the best possible way. And as God becomes flesh, that space between man and God is narrowed. The fire on that sword in the garden begins to be extinguished. The nation of Israel had been crying out, where is God? We have been crying out, where is God? And all people in all of history have cried out, where is God? And God answered. He became God with us. He became one of us, born as a baby and placed in a manger. He made himself nothing. He took the very nature of a servant and was made in human likeness. Not only did he come as a baby, but he grew up. And he became a man. A man that faced the pain and the sorrows and the hurt that every one of us faces. A man that would ultimately give himself up and die a death on a cross so that that space between us and God could ultimately be removed. So that those who are searching for God might find him. So that those who seek would find and not be left empty. You see, we lost ourselves at one tree. At that tree in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve sinned and created that separation between us and God. We lost ourselves at that tree, but we find ourselves at another tree. At the tree of the cross where Jesus gives himself up. If we look again at Genesis chapter 3, where the man sins, we learn that God did not simply let the man remain hidden. If we read after the sin, after man hides, God comes into the garden. And when he sees that the man has hidden himself, he calls out, Where are you? He does not allow the man to remain hidden. Instead, he seeks him out. And after God asks that question, where are you, in Genesis chapter 3, 
we see that although the rest of the Bible is full of stories of people searching for God, the bigger story is ultimately one of God searching for people. Of God searching for the hearts of men and women. And nowhere is this more prevalent than in the Christmas story. And so I ask you, are you searching for God? Do you have questions that need to be answered? Do you have pain and hurt that you wonder why God allows it to continue? Do you wonder if God exists? Do you feel like you know God, but you want to know him even deeper? Are you searching for God? And if not, I pray that you will. Because this God is a God that is searching for you. This God is a God that wants you to find him. It's a God who sent his son to be made flesh so that we could know him. A God who drew near to us so that we could draw near to him. If we read a little bit farther in the Christmas story, we learn about a few more that were searching for him. Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judah, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born, King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. These wise men, or, or as the scripture tells us, magi, they came and they asked Herod, where is he? Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? The wise men were seeking him. They were seeking the king, the God wrapped in flesh. And ultimately the question they were asking to Herod was the same one we ask. Where is God? And you know what? Wise men still seek him today. Wise men still seek him. I think the songwriter Paul Overstreet captured this thought beautifully with these simple lyrics. He writes, Wise men still seek him. Those on earth who realize how much they need him following Jesus wherever he may lead them. Wise men still seek him. Wise men still seek him. And so I pray that you would keep searching for God, and I pray that you would not give up. Because God has promised that if we search with all of our hearts, we will find him. I told you before that this is something we've been talking about on our Friday nights at Ignite. And a verse that I've quoted again and again for the youth there is Jeremiah 29, verse 13. And in it, God makes a promise. And the promise is this. He says, You will search for me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your hearts. And so I ask the question, are you searching with all of your heart? 
Because the promise that God made is true. And we know that that promise is true because he has already sent his son. He has sent his son to be God with us. And because while he wants us to search for him, we know that he is already searching for us. God isn't hiding. He isn't hoping that we never find him. Instead, he has already revealed himself to us through his son, through that baby born and placed in a manger on that first Christmas day. Would you pray with me? Dear God, I thank you that you are love. I thank you that you are a good and great God. I thank you that you're a God that loved us enough that even though we're the ones that sinned, even though we are the ones that separated ourselves from you, you loved us enough that you would send your son to a lowly place, to a painful place. God, you are good. You are great. And so, God, I just pray that you would help us to take hold of that promise, that promise that if we search, we would find. We thank you for all this, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.